Whether you were competing for a championship last year or trying to avoid a punishment, this is your year, and we are here to help you prep all things wide receivers for the 2023 fantasy football season. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Fellas Podcast. I'm joined by my pal, Mr. Tyler Plath, the draft wizard himself, <laughs> man of many trades. Um, Tyler, how are we doing today? Man, it's good to be back, and uh, it, it, it feels a little strange that we don't have our normal host with us yes. but you know what it it's been a minute since it since it's been you and me doing an episode and i gotta say i'm pretty stoked about it honestly i am as well we don't have lucas like reining us in as normal he's um <laughs> off tonight with some personal things but we're, we'll try our best you know we'll we'll deacon dodge through through these questions answer them the best we can uh, we are recording on Tuesday, May 23rd. You'll be getting this on Thursday. So if we did miss anything, we apologize. But nothing should be happening between the time that we are recording um, and when you get this. Um, so just it is it is mind. the it is kind of the dead week. It is uh, between like I mean, like OTAs and all that. And everyone wants to make a big deal with mm-hmm. people that aren't there and stuff. And yeah. it's like save your breath like exactly. we'll, we'll we'll get there in a couple months i know we had, there was a tweet already i don't know if you saw it, it said alan lazard went down in a heap and um didn't return to practice yeah Even well, he did Rod, return yeah, 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 the ads, he said. yeah yep. that's it Yep. And so he was back in practice and even tweeted at him like, I'm fine, don't worry. So there's gonna be a lot of news about nothing coming up in the next couple of weeks. But let's not keep you waiting any longer and jump right in to our top 20 wide receivers for 2023. I forgot to mention before, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. If you're listening on YouTube, subscribe to the pod, leave us a review, a comment. Um, just tell us tell us why your favorite fella is Cameron and why it's not Tyler. Um, we That really helps us out um, just so we can give Tyler the feedback that he needs that he's got to kind of step his game up to match me. Um, Jeez, just because I don't have as many Twitter followers as you doesn't mean I'm less of a fella than you <laughs> well i mean elon's deleting all the bots so my uh my yeah, following's yeah. kind of been decreasing by like two a day so i i've yep. got to get back on that um, i feel that i feel that <laughs> but yeah like i said we're gonna dive right into our top 20 wide receivers we're gonna start at 20 and work our way to one and number 20 is a washington commander mr terry mclaurin Last season, Terry had 77 receptions on 120 targets for 1,191 yards and five touchdowns. Um, He was playing with Carson Wentz under center. Um, This year looks like it is going to be Sam Howell. Jacoby Brissett is in that mix as well. Right now in our current rankings, I'm the lowest by a lot at 24. Lucas is at 20, and Ty is at 18. So obviously, Ty, you're a little more optimistic on Terry this season. Why, why is that? I just think it's the new system that's being brought into Washington by Eric Bieniemy. I just think when I, because I, I, I just think back to a video when Eric Bieniemy was introduced, Terry McLaurin was there and there was like a minute clip and Eric Bieniemy is like, you're going to be my guy this year. And, you know, you, you take a look at the stats from last year and I'm not going to say that they're kind of lucky or that his finish last year as the wide receiver 14 was lucky. But having 
your lowest target total in three years, mm-hmm. tied for your lowest in the, the last three years, your most receiving yards, which is nice to see, beginning, but averaging 15 yards a catch is just a little it's flimsy to me, yeah. if that's the best way to say it. And the thing with Terry is that he's never really been this ultra pro- uh, producer in touchdowns. He mm-hmm. has gone four, five, and five in his last three years. So there, there are some things about Terry's game that will be able to translate really well. And I just really think that he could just be a PPR machine this year. I'm not going to say he's going to be Deontay Johnson by any means because he seems to kind of be the the definition of PPR machine, but I really feel like Terry is going to be kind of that possession based wide receiver. That's just going to get a ton of targets because you're going to stretch the field with Jahan Dotson. And yes, we all know that Terry McLaurin, again, averaging 15 yards a catch may seem like the downfield guy, but I feel like Terry is just going to be the guy that's going to be brought in a little bit closer to Sam Howell, kind of be the, the, the safety valve for him. So um, that's, that's really kind of the reason why I've got him, up there at 18 and and i think terry is one of those guys that can really finish anywhere between the 18 and 24 range because who knows how this offense is actually going to look i've i've just got more optimism for terry i guess compared to the three of us yeah and and that definitely makes sense for me the biggest thing is i view terry mclaurin very similar to the way i view dj Moore, right mm-hmm fantastic NFL players they make some ridiculous catches that you know it's just like how would you do that but there's always been something to be desired in both the touchdown category but that really comes down to the quarterback category and it's can Sam Howell finally be the guy can Eric Bieniemy finally help Howell be the guy to kind of break Terry McLaurin out of this like we just think he can be so much more but he just hasn't reached it yet I think also the reason I'm a little lower is I am a little um Jahan Dotson is starting to sneak in my top 36 wide receivers. Um, I do believe in him a lot. And I just think Ron Rivera wants to run the ball so much on this team. I just don't know if there's going to be quite enough targets to go around to really get him into that next tier. But like you said, Ty, I have a similar tier. It's wide receiver 18 to wide receiver 28. And Terry McLaurin falls within that. So that's kind of the range you could see him going um, right now. Next is a guy who, unfortunately... I wish Lucas was on the pod to talk about because this this is his guy this year. And that is Mr. Jerry Judy. Lucas has fallen in love with Jerry Judy. He's talked about him a lot. He's drafting him everywhere in best ball. And I, I don't know if I can blame him necessarily. Judy last year um, missed, missed a couple games, but had 67 receptions on 100 targets, 972 yards, and six touchdowns. When he was on the field, he was the clear wide receiver one at Denver. Cortland Sutton had clearly taken a step back. And when he returned from injury in week 13, uh, he was the wide receiver six for the rest of the season. So there is some optimism. They've picked up the fifth year option. Obviously, that wide receiver room is getting very crowded in Denver right now. Sutton, Judy, Tim Patrick's back. KJ Hamler's still there. They just drafted Mims with their first pick in the last draft, second round pick. I have him at 21. Lucas at 18. Ty, you have him at 19. My question for you on Jerry Judy is, could Judy sneak his way into a top 12 wide receiver this year, or is he pretty much a lock to be more of a wide receiver two, you know, right around that 20 range kind of guy for you? I think it's it's a it's a valid question. Just you bring in a coach like Sean Payton, who is just this offensive-minded genius. 
He's and, and Russell Wilson's going to need to throw the ball to somebody. And mm-hmm. if anything that we've seen is that Cortland's son, although a very big target, he does have some limitations to his game. Versus Judy can be the guy that Sean Payton can really ask a lot of, and Judy can come through on almost all of it. He's yep. he's got speed for days. He's a great route runner. He can do short, medium, long. Like he 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 can do it all, and that's kind of a a wide receiver that Sean Payton likes to utilize like a lot. Yeah, and you know, I, I you 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 think of the, some of the other receivers, you know the bigger fantasy wide receiver names, you know, like Garrett Wilson, CD lamb, AJ Brown, Amon raw, Devonte Smith. Like those guys are kind of the, you know, seven to 10, seven to 11. Then you get into like Jalen Waddle, Chris Olave, DK Metcalf. Is there a possibility that Judy kind of fits into there by the end of the season? But maybe, mm-hmm. but I would kind of err on the side of like, I would give that like a th- 30% chance yeah. and like a 70% chance that he's just going to end up as a high end wide receiver too. Yeah, I think so as well. I think that's why, you know, when drafting, I haven't, you know, it depends where Jerry Judy's falling. If, if he's fallen a little bit, I don't remember what his exact ADP on best ball is. I think, I mean, it's in a decent spot right now where I do feel comfortable taking him, but I'm not going to reach on Judy just because a lot of these other guys on that list do have that potential to be a wide receiver one. If they get, you know, the touchdowns to fall their way, where I just don't think Judy's going to get enough touchdowns, enough like of that gr- crazy volume to kind of push him into that top 12 range. Yeah, he's currently the wide receiver 22 on underdog right now. And like that's an OK spot for me. Yes. And that's kind of a nice spot, because like you said, like that's kind of a good spot for someone that you believe has enough upside to finish as a high end wide receiver, too. Mm-hmm. And you're getting kind of towards the low end wide receiver yeah. two range so there there's value with judy but don't we i don't think we're gonna get to the point of like you said like a top 10 bona fide wide receiver one player with jerry yeah. judy this year but yeah if you're rocking jerry judy as your wide receiver three you've got to feel really good about oh, that. that is sweet yep um this other guy is going right in the same range as jerry judy he is a guy who has been amazing in years past he's finished as a wide receiver one overall and that's deandre hopkins um in 2022 obviously he had the suspension right away kyler was hurt for a while then he got hurt for the rest of the season um he did play well however when he was there and then mr deandre hopkins he averaged every single game seven receptions on 10.6 targets for 80 yards and about 0.3 touchdowns per game good enough for 17 fancy points a game and with colt mccoy in the three weeks he did play with him he was averaging 17 points a game with him as well colt mccoy looks to be the starter of kyler misses time and i wanted to add this he only scored one touchdown in those three games because a lot of times i think with deandre hopkins his like 2021 his points were very inflated because of touchdowns and that, that's not a super sticky stat, but also with Hopkins, touchdowns are a little more sticky because we do know he's a great red zone threat. I am at 18. Lucas has him all the way up 14. And Ty, you are burying him down at 24. Is that just another cautious optimism thing? Or why, why the lower ranking on DeAndre Hopkins? So I think first, it's the potential of not having Kyler Murray for an extended period of time at the beginning of the season. And I know that Colt McCoy, and he, you know, could be the starter and that DeAndre Hopkins did well with Colt McCoy last year. 
my concern then becomes, but does that work with the new coaching regime that's now in Arizona Mm -hmm. where your offensive coordinator, who is also going to be the play caller is coming from two teams who ran a very, very run heavy offense. So I'm not going to, I don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that James Connor is going to be like number one feature in this (laughs) offense, but I like, Again, the averages that he had when he came back from suspension last year, right? His seven catches and his 10.6 targets per game, 80 yards, all that. Mm-hmm. I I would even kind of side on like as much as dropping two receptions on like those averages, two targets, mm-hmm. maybe 10 so yards or, or something like that. Like I, again, it's just question marks that I have about how effective and efficient DeAndre Hopkins and even Marquise Brown can be with Colt McCoy in a new offensive scheme. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's definitely valid. That's, that is the tricky part of, right. He did good with him last year, but is that something that he can maintain with Colt McCoy? We don't even know for sure. Colt McCoy is going to be the starter. Yeah. Um, Cause there's all of a sudden a, like fantasy Twitter has started to go, well, look at Clayton tune, like the fifth mm-hmm. round draft pick that the Cardinals have. And it's like, yeah. Would they really start Clayton Tune? Yeah. Right. So, and they do have a lot of options there. Like Hopkins is not the only guy. They have Marquise Brown. Obviously, Rondell Moore hasn't quite lived up to what they hoped. They just took, um, what was the Michael? What, what was his? Michael Wilson. Michael Wilson. Um, they have Trey McBride from last year, Zach Ertz still. So they've got a lot of options to move the ball around. I think that's why, you know, Hopkins has one of the biggest, I think, range of outcomes of yeah. all these players right if kyler's there week one he could be a top 10 wide receiver pretty easily he really could yeah but if kyler misses you know kyler comes back like week eight week nine all of a sudden it kind of feels like man he could have an 18 point week and then a six point week and he could just disappear and then like you brought up the um change of regimes so obviously a lot of range of outcomes um next up we have wide receiver 17 is another guy who i think is an older guy who a lot of people underrate. He's been one of my favorite wide receivers for a very, very long time. And that is Keenan Allen last year. Little disappointing missed seven games. He's a guy who I think a lot of people call injury prone, but it was also his first season last year where he actually missed a significant chunk of games. But when he did return in week 11, he was the wide receiver three from week 11 to week 18, which, shocked me because I, I did not realize that at all um it did help he had a big week 18 game of 30 points but still to be up that high um his 17 game pace over that time 127 receptions on 176 targets for 1434 yards and nine touchdowns would have been wider here four in the entire year man now like what you said before ty don't hear what i'm not saying not saying he's going to have 125 receptions. I'm not saying he's going to have 175 targets. I'm not even saying he would have had that last year. That's just the pace that he was on. And I just put it into like that just so we could kind of see it. And me telling you, you know, he had 86 receptions in 10 games doesn't mean a lot to you as a viewer. Whereas if you put it over 17 game pace, we can compare it to guys, other guys on this list. Obviously injury injuries are a concern. Obviously, Quentin Johnson coming into town, um, you know, adds some more target competition. Uh, I have him at 16, the highest. Lucas has him at 19. Ty, you have him at 20. 
but we all still have him top 20. Ty, what is the optimistic view for Keenan Allen this season? Well, we look at his fantasy points per game last year. He was the wide receiver 11 at 16.4, and that is kind of based on that, you know, wide receiver three stretch that he had towards the end of the season. Um, I don't know if we can necessarily just, you know, or say that his ceiling is top 12 mm-hmm. um, just because there are a ton of mouths to feed in uh, in L.A. with Eckler and Mike Williams Quentin Johnston. Uh, don't forget about Josh Palmer, who may step in every now and then. You got Gerald Everett, who again, I need I, I'm going to continue reminding people Gerald Gerald Everett was a top 10 tight end yeah. for most of the beginning of the season. So there is something there that the Chargers like. Um but again, like it, I, I the biggest thing with the Chargers for me is this Kellen Moore hiring. Mm-hmm. Right, you're getting a guy who wants to throw the ball in an offense that has thrown the ball a ton in the past. So, like, you know, if there is a Chargers receiver to have this year, it is Keenan Allen, mm-hmm. right? Keenan Allen is still Justin Herbert's like favored target. And in in the big reason why is because Keenan Allen gets almost last year had almost two yards of separation on his routes. Mm-hmm that is invaluable to a quarterback. So like I said, like if there's a wide receiver to have from this Chargers team, it's Keenan Allen. Yep. And there is sneaky top 15 upside oh, yeah. for him this year. I wouldn't go as far to say top 12, like I said a little bit ago, but Keenan Allen still got it. And this may be the last year that we see Keenan Allen in LA. So is he potentially playing for a new contract this year? I potentially would err on the side of yes on that one. So there's a lot to like about Keenan Allen. And it seems like every year people just kind of forget about him and they kind of predict the, the drop off or the injuries and stuff. Don't play that game. It's a headache. Just know Mm -hmm. that if you get him and if you want to take him in your drafts, you're getting the wide receiver one in this chargers offense. Yeah, I think I think for a lot of people they get scared because this Chargers offense could potentially have a hunt for 100 target guys. Austin Eckler, mm. Quentin Johnson could get up in the 100 target range. Mike Williams, as long as he plays 14 plus games, will get 100 targets. Keenan Allen definitely will. Right, he was pushing 100 targets last year in just 10 games, so he he's going to get his. And he has been when he's on the field the clear favorite target um, over lo- the long stretch. Um, for Justin Herbert. Obviously, Mike Williams has always had his boom weeks and he has continued that with Justin Herbert. But Keenan Allen is definitely a guy who's falling, I think, way too far in drafts. You look at basketball, especially, right? We we think of Keenan Allen as a safe player. This dude can still put up 25 points in a game, right? He can still get you 10 catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. So for him to be going in that wide receiver 26 range feels like an amazing value right now. Obviously, though, there is injury concerns with him getting older and having a hamstring injury last season. All righty. This next guy at wide receiver 16 is Mr. T Higgins. Last year, Higgins actually had a pretty down year. I don't think that's been talked about very much. Mm-hmm. Um, he played in 15 games. I, or he might've even played in all 17. He had 75 receptions on only 110 targets, only 1,042 yards and seven touchdowns. 
this was a guy who you're you were hoping for more if you drafted T Higgins last year, especially with the fact that Jamar Chase played only in only 12 games. You were hoping for like just way more from T Higgins. I have him at 17. Lucas at 15. Ty, you also have him at 15. Right now, he's going around the wide receiver 12 range. How how do we feel about T Higgins going into 2023, Ty? I just think back to last year and the the breakout potential that he that he had going into year three and another year with Joe Burrow in the Bengals offense coming off of a Super Bowl appearance. If anything, I feel like we were just maybe a year early on the breakout potential. Like I think it still exists for T Higgins this year just because you saw what this offense was last year, right? And it, I, and partially it was because they didn't have Jamar Chase, and so they kind of struggled a bit to really kind of hit, you know, f- hit the gas fully. But um, I, you saw what Joe Mixon did in the run game. There's no way that Cincinnati can fully trust their run game anymore, mm-hmm. and especially with the offensive line play. And I know that they just went out and and brought in Orlando Brown. And it really seems like the offensive line, at least they believe is short up for now. But again, like I said, like it just feels like we were maybe a year early on the breakout potential T Higgins, in my opinion, at least still has the breakout potential. I think it's more likely that it happens this year than it did last year. Yep. I think for me, the most concerning thing, and we'll talk about Jamar Chase later, is Chase was averaging almost a full three and a half targets more per game than he did in his rookie season. So Chase is really becoming this target hog, whereas his rookie season, we kind of saw him just as a big play guy. However, like you said, there I, I do feel like they're going to continue to use T. Higgins more. The GM has come out publicly multiple times saying we're not moving off T. We want him around for the long haul. We want, you know, and if they want him long for, around for the long haul, they're going to have to pay him big bucks, right? T. Higgins has shown that he can be, you know, pretty pretty impressive wide receiver. Um, maybe the alpha guy in a different, probably the alpha guy in a different team. He's big. He scored touchdowns. So if they're going to pay him that money, they're going to use him in the passing game. He's going to get targets. So he feels like a guy who you're going to plug into your lineup. The only problem with him is there will be those weeks where he gets you four or five points because it yep. will just be the Jamar Chase show where Chase gets 20 targets, 250 yards. And that, that is the problem of playing next to a guy like Jamar Chase, who is just so great at what he does. But T. Higgins is still a valuable asset. I think right now him going at wide receiver 12 feels a little rich, especially with the way basketball is going. There's a lot of running backs on the board there still. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you got Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry on the board. Um, sometimes Saquon's still on the board there. So, so that can, you know, that feels a little rich for me to take. But come redraft time, come, you know, if you're doing dynasty drafts now, he's going to be a, probably a little bit lower on your board um, in those in those drafts. Yeah, the last thing that I've got on T. Higgins, he was 16th in fantasy points per target last year. And his target numbers the last three seasons, 108, 110, and 110. If you believe, like 
me and Lucas probably do, that T. Higgins is going to get an increase in targets this year. He that it kind of justifies the wide receiver 15 ranking that we've got him at. And I I I will struggle to put him inside the top 12 like some people were last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I still think like I said, there's breakout potential still and the fancy points per target if he gets more targets. If you believe he will, mm-hmm. he's very much worth your selection there. Yeah. And I think, I think now we're entering in Deandre Hopkins was one of these guys, but Keenan Allen, Jerry Judy, um, who was our Terry McLaurin, not so much T Higgins is a guy who could easily hit double digit touchdowns. Yeah. And I think that's the difference maker of getting guys into the top 12. Right, that's why Jerry Judy, Terry McLaurin, we don't really believe that they're going to be top twelve guys because we don't really see them as double digit touchdown guys. But T. Higgins definitely could be, and this next guy already has. He's he has a thirteen touchdown season, and he definitely could have a huge touchdown season again. That's DK Metcalf, the Seattle Seahawks. Last season, he had ninety receptions on one hundred forty one targets for only a thousand forty eight yards and six touchdowns, which was by far the lowest yards per catch of his career. It was a full yard and a half lower than last year. In his first two years in the league, he was at fifteen. Um, yards per reception however i do believe that his yards per reception is going to increase due to jsn playing that underneath role i don't think i think last year dk was a safety valve for gino a lot of times just being so big um being able to make more of a contested catch but i do think they're going to try to start using him more in the middle of the field down the field a little bit more um so maybe maybe we see an increase decrease in receptions but an increase in both touchdowns and um, yards I, is at least why I have him at 13. Lucas has him at 17. Ty, you also have him at 14, which I think kind of should just show people we're we're not scared of JSN coming in. Lucas might be a little bit more, you know, is he going to get the same amount of targets? But for DK Metcalf last year, six touchdowns is the is the anomaly. Yep. With as big and strong and as high as he can jump, he's a guy who could easily go out and get you 10, um, 10 touchdowns a year. And I think the thing that was most encouraging for me was the targets that he got last year. Seeing him get 141 targets, seeing him out targeting Tyler Lockett was, was I think, a good surprise, although the fantasy points did kind of disappoint last season for DK Metcalf. Ty, how are we feeling about DK Metcalf? I think DK Metcalf is really kind of established. I know the the touchdowns last year won't really help this point, but I feel like DK Metcalf is the established red zone guy and touchdown mm-hmm. production guy um, outside of the run game for Seattle. Um, look, like you said, like JSN coming in is really going to free up DK Metcalf to be more downfield, more over the middle or down the seams or whatever. Um, I mean, the guy was ninth in air yards last year. He was 10th in receptions, which is also good to see with his targets. Um, he was second in red zone targets, which really shouldn't be a surprise. Um, like he he was used downfield, but he was used everywhere else just because they needed him to do that to help Gino out. And now they like I said, you bring in JSN to play underneath. I mean, there is a lot to like about DK Metcalf going into this year. And it sounds backwards because, because of JSN, but don't, don't be scared off. And, and, and it, I'm trying to find the way to explain it. 
J- JSN and DK Metcalf are two completely different wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Like there is a, it's a, and, and they can coexist. Yes. One can be a reception machine. The other one can be the downfield threat and the one that scores the touchdowns. They can coexist. Tyler Lott, and, and, and I think we would agree on this. If there's a receiver that's affected the most by JSN being in a town, it's Tyler Lockett, not DK Metcalf. Yeah, I would agree. And you look at it too, on this team, target-wise, there's really no one to target in this offense other than those three, right? Noah Fant will get you know some targets, but Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker aren't exactly like world beaters, right? It's not, We're not talking about the Chargers where they have Austin Eckler on that roster who needs 100 targets. Charbonnet might lead them in targets, but I see his like max targets. He gets probably around 50 targets, right? And, and and Fant is probably a guy to max targets, probably around 60 targets. Mm-hmm. So that still opens up a lot of targets in this offense for all three of those wide receivers. It'll just be interesting to see how it works. And Pete Carroll talked has already said, like, we're not changing our offense to put JSN on the field. Right. We're not, he's not always going to be in three wide receiver sets. And DK Metcalf, if anybody's not going to leave the field, it's him. Right. We might see JSN and Tyler Lockett switching in back and forth of who's on the field, but DK Metcalf is going to be on the field at all times, especially with the money that they're paying him. All righty. Let's move on to wide receiver 14. This is one of the biggest differences we have um, just spot wise. And that's Samari Cooper. We got him all the way up here at 14. And in big part because I have him as my wide receiver 10, Tyler and Lucas as their wide receiver 16 last season with 11 games of Jacoby Prissett and six games of Sean Watson Cooper had 78 receptions on 138 targets for 1160 yards and nine touchdowns. Um, and for me, I see Deshaun Watson kind of getting a really big bounce back this season. And I think that's, that's why I have Amari Cooper up this high, right? If he can do this well last season with, Jacoby Brissett, and just with the fact that Sean Watson played terrible last year, um, you know, I just think that I think that this year he could just continue to finish, you know, finish well. Right, he was a wide receiver nine last year, so why couldn't he be wide receiver ten this year? Ty, what's the more pessimistic view for Amari Cooper? I think it's kind of the same, um, the same reasoning that we had, or that I had at least for Deshaun Watson being so much lower in my rankings. I just think it'll take a little bit of time at the beginning of the season to, again, you know, get back to the Deshaun Watson that we know that he can be. Mm-hmm. So there will be some grow, at least in my opinion, I think there will be some growing pains at the beginning of the season. But I think as the season goes on, Deshaun Watson and Amari Cooper are really going to start paying dividends because as Deshaun Watson starts to see more action, and get more and more comfortable in the speed of the game again. There's really no one else. I mean, like, yes, they have Elijah Moore, mm-hmm. Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yep. Neither of them are really as good as Amari Cooper. So there, there's, there's, there's a lot to like about Amari Cooper, but I wonder if Amari Cooper is just a better by low candidate. Mm-hmm than he is someone to actually like target and go for in your drafts. So right now he is going at the wide receiver 18. So I've been drafting a lot of Amari Cooper, especially in best ball. 
um, just because I do like being able to stack him with Deshaun Watson late. But me and Ty were talking earlier. I am fully in on Nick Chubb. I'm very in on Deshaun Watson and very in on Amari Cooper this year. So being in on three Browns is probably three Browns too many. But we will see how that goes um, this season. Uh, all right, we'll do one more wide receiver and then we'll take a short break. So let's let's talk about our wide receiver 13. Mr. Chris Olave, he is the breakout candidate for a lot of people this year. And it's it's pretty easy to see why looking back at his stats, his rookie season, 72 receptions on 119 targets, 1,042 yards and four touchdowns. That that is a good rookie season, right? I think if we just take away, let's just let's just not look at Justin Jefferson's rookie season. Let's just not look at Jamar Chase's rookie season, right? Because those are the anomalies. Those are the two of the greatest rookie seasons ever. Chris Olave had a really amazing rookie season compared to you know Devonta Smith two years ago. Um, compared to Garrett Wilson, he was right there with him, right? Chris Olave had a great rookie season, and now he gets Derek Carr, who just gave 180 targets to Devonta Adams last season. And gave it or helped Adams to a wide receiver three finish. Um, obviously, I shouldn't say gave Adams a wide receiver three finish. Adams definitely earned that wide receiver three finish. Um, but Derek Carr did show that, hey, you know what? You want me to just sink, um, zone in on one guy and just keep throwing it to him? I will. And if you look at this, this New Orleans offense, Chris Olave is that guy. Mike, Michael Thomas is not that guy anymore, right? He has barely played football in like three years. Um, looking at our rankings, I'm at 14, Lucas at 12, Ty, you're at 13. We're all pretty high on Chris Olave. We all, I don't think any of us see a world where he could take a step back in this offense right now. And, no, I don't think so either. And, mm-hmm. and like the Derek Carr acquisition was huge. Mm-hmm. If they were to bring in, or, you know, if they were to take a downgrade at quarterback, which like I, I, didn't think was really possible i feel like Mm -hmm. if anything it would have just kind of been a more lateral thing like because yeah always felt like they were going to bring back Jameis. so at like worst case scenario it would have been Jameis as his quarterback but i think for olave i think what we saw last year is that he really really kind of stepped up as the wide receiver one in michael thomas's absence so even if michael thomas comes back this year it's not like michael thomas is going to take that back from olave um there will be games i think though that because in the games that we did see from Michael Thomas last year, he hasn't like completely mm-hmm. lost his step. Um, but it, it, uh, obviously, it's not the same Michael Thomas that we saw finish as a wide receiver one. No. Um, but like, I feel like there's going to be a couple games this year where Michael Thomas is really going to be the more productive receiver than Olave. And that's kind of to be expected in, mm-hmm. you know, with, with offenses that do kind of have to quality wide receivers and and it sounds weird calling michael thomas a quality receiver but it's 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 kind of true so um look olave is definitely like in consideration to kind of break into wide receiver one territory and i wouldn't be surprised if people do put them or put olave inside their top 12 even top 10 um I just look at the guys ahead of him and I'm just kind of like, I like their situation a little bit better or I like their talent more than Olave. And that's not a knock on Olave. That's just the fact that there are just some better receivers ahead of him in my book. 
Yeah, and just talking about Michael Thomas, like let's say Michael Thomas does return to form. He's awesome this season. His career high yards per catch is 12.4. Chris Olave is at 14.5 last year. They're different receivers, and they're really the only two receivers this team got has, especially if Camaro's going to miss the first six weeks, right? They're going to both – They there's enough targets to go on where they could both see targets, but I truly think Chris Olave did enough last year to really cement himself as the wide receiver one in this offense. And so he's a guy with a lot of upside and, you know, he, he was really great last year and he only had four touchdowns. You know, you, we could definitely see um, more touchdowns again this year. Now they let Derek Carr air it out. We can see that 14 movie five become a 15, 16 um, yards per catch. Um, Devontae Adams had the, a career high in yards per catch last season. So a lot of things to like about Chris Olave. All right, before we break into our top 12 wide receivers, Let's take a quick break and hear from our friends over at Underdog. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Now, we love Underdog. It is the easiest place to play best ball formats, and they even have their own form of player props called Pick'em. You can make up to 20 times your money on a single night by correlating props together. Two picks will triple your money, three will six times it, four will ten times it, and five plays that all hit will multiply your entry by 20. You can even place insurance on your picks too, so if only four of your five props hit, you still get ten times your entry. And if you use our code FELLOWS when signing up, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100. All and we're back. How was that? Was that a good Lucas impression? It you was, know? and I was late on this one. Oh. I keep trying to like point at the camera oh. every time you guys say we're back. And oh. with Lucas, I'm early. And with you, I'm late. Uh, I just stretched it out too much. That's on me. Yeah. That's on me. Um, no, 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 no. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't take that on yourself. Don't, don't do that. Oh, I gotta love it. All righty. Well, like I said, we're back with our top 12 wide receivers. Um, we'll try to get the through these in a timely manner for you, but sometimes we just can't help ourselves. So at number 12, we have Mr. Jalen Waddle. Last season, 75 receptions on 117 targets, 1,356 yards, and eight touchdowns. Led the NFL in yards per catch at 18.1, but was out-targeted by Tyreek Hill by 51 targets last year. I currently have him at 15. Lucas out of seven at 11 and Tyler also at 11. Tyler, you were optimistic once again on Jalen Waddle. I'm probably the one that's in the wrong here, but why, why don't you tell me why I'm in the wrong on Jalen Waddle? Let's just start with the first metric that I don't know if necessarily the um, <laughs> end all be all metric, but it is, it's important to me because it tells me that your quarterback is throwing to an open target, which means it's an easier reception opportunity. Jalen Waddle was 10th in route win rate at nearly 50%. And his, it was actually 49.2. So like half the time he's winning his, his route. And in today's game, you need to win your routes. But that's not all. That is not all. The man was third in fantasy points per target, averaging almost 2.2 fantasy points per target. Now, granted, that's not based on, or that's not really a um, 
that didn't really come from reception. That didn't really come from really just kind of the nature of catching the ball, but the man is a yak monster. He, let me find the stat. There it is. He was 10th in yards after the catch. He had 462 Mm -hmm. yards after the catch. Eight touchdowns again. He was first in yards per target. And Cameron and I had a good laugh because I had an absolute brain fart and couldn't understand the difference between yards per target and yards per reception. (laughs) But he was first in both of those, Mm -hmm. which is really, really good. And I think the cherry on top is that he's in the offense that lets him do this. Mm -hmm. This is his game. And Mike McDaniel schemes it up like no other coach could. I, I, I say that just to let you know that Mike McDaniel's system is the perfect system for Jalen Waddle, where he catches it in space and he can just get yards. Jalen Waddle, I, I, I don't know if we necessarily see 18 yards per catch again this year. Mm-hmm. But what I do know is that it's definitely not going to dip below 14 just because, again, the guy is a yak monster. So get him out in space like McDaniel does. It'll provide it'll it'll pay dividends throughout the season. Yeah. And so I looked back at mine, my rankings real quick. I have five fantasy points separating the wide receiver 15 and wide receiver 10. So it's a tight group. So Jalen Waddle is legitimately a touchdown, five receptions, 50 yards, whatever you want to put it at away from being the wide receiver 10 of mine. All these guys are right next to each other for me. The thing for Waddle is I do see that he was out targeted by pretty much three targets per game by Tyreek Hill last season. And that does feel significant to me. It just shows me that Tyreek Hill was clearly the favorite, clearly the alpha in this offense. And he should be. Terry Kill is in the conversation for the wide receiver one in the NFL. Um, I'm not, I don't personally put him there, but he's definitely in that conversation. So I, I do think that kind of can limit Jalen Waddle's upside, makes him more of a T. Higgins. And like you said, I just don't see 18.1 um, yards per reception happening again, but we could see an increase in, in targets this season. So it will be interesting. I think it, I think his efficiency will come down, but his targets probably go up, probably averaging themselves out fantasy-wise um, this next season. And then maybe making him a little bit more consistent, which as a fantasy manager in a redraft league, that, that consistency is nice. Um, but like you said, in this offense, with him being in space, he's going to have some boom weeks. He's going to run, rip off a 70-yard touchdown at some point. He's going to rip off, you know, a couple 30 yard touchdowns in a game at some point. So that is the upside you do get with Jalen Waddle. And it's something that I think this next guy doesn't necessarily have upside wise. And that's Devonta Smith. I think Smith can still have great games, right? We saw a wide receiver one finish from him last year. He's our wide receiver 11, but I don't think he can in the same way as Jalen Waddle come out and just win you a week completely. Right. I think Jalen Waddle is capable of putting up one of the top fantasy performances We'll see all of next year, whereas I just don't know if Devonta Smith can the same way. Smith, however, 95 receptions on 136 targets, 1,196 yards, and seven touchdowns. He had at least eight targets from week eight on last year in every single week, except for the conference championship game, which they didn't need to throw in because San Francisco didn't have a quarterback. But I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Goddard did miss weeks 11 through 13 last season. Um, it was banged up when he came back. So that is something that we got to keep in mind is 
his his big hot streak did come with Dallas Goddard out in the middle of it. But I, me and you both have him at 12. Um, Lucas has him at 13. And I do want to say right now, the way I have him set it, I actually have Devonta Smith as the target leader in Philadelphia over A.J. Brown. And that's because I think Devonta Smith on almost any other team is the alpha wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this dude is just legit. I love I love watching him play. I think he's a really amazing wide receiver. I do have A.J. Brown set it higher because of higher yards per reception, more touchdowns. But Tyler, we got him right at the wide receiver one range. Is this, do we think Devonta Smith's going to be a wide receiver one, you know, candidate from here on out for whatever he's 23, I think for the next eight years. I, I certainly think so. And I think part of that is just you, you, I, I like Sirianni will want the, the offense and I know he's not making the play calls, but he's still the head coach. Mm-hmm. Like everything's going to be based off of the run, right? With Jalen Hurts and RPO system. And quite honestly, the RPO system more time went to Devontae Smith than it did to mm-hmm. AJ Brown. And you like I know I was just raving about Jalen Waddle being a yak monster. Devontae Smith was seventh in yards after the catch, too. So you take the reception work that he can get just being the RPO option plus his yards after the catch. It, there is potential that like, you know, a lot of times you see the high reception guys and you don't really see a whole lot of yards go with it just because they're typically the guys that are close by the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Devonte Smith has the rare ability to do stuff after the catch. So yeah. like, like you said, like it, I, it's really not as, you know, like shocking to have Devonte Smith as the target leader. And if I'm not mistaken, I I have it the same way too. Mm-hmm. But like you said, like the downfield threat is AJ Brown, mm-hmm. just because he has such a bigger body and higher cat or bigger catch radius, all that kind of stuff. Devonte Smith is still going to get his. And maybe, you know, if there's anything that takes a hit, maybe it's the touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But the way this offense is run, Devonte Smith could kind of find himself in that low end wide receiver one range just on volume alone because his role is now defined in this offense. Yeah. And I just, I don't see this team running for the same on touchdowns they had last year. I think they had 27 rushing touchdowns or something ridiculous. Well, Hertz, Hertz had 13 of those and Sanders himself had double digits. So I, I just don't see them rushing for quite as much, but I do see them scoring a lot again. So, you know, touchdowns will be that the, the one concern I do have is obviously Swift is coming to town. This team only had 61 running back targets last year. That is going to go up as long as Swift's on the field, right? That's a big part of Swift's game. Dallas Goddard back for a full season. But I think Devonta Smith is good enough where he kind of can push those worries to the wayside and you know continue to be a great wide receiver. This next guy is Amon Ross St. Brown. He's our wide receiver 10. I think a lot of people doubted him last year, right? He just came out of the woodwork, um, fourth-round wide receiver on most people's waiver wires, and all of a sudden was the playoff hero. And then last year just proved once again, hey, no, I'm legit. I am the wide receiver one in Detroit. You need to take me seriously. He had 106 receptions on 146 targets, 1,161 yards, and six touchdowns. I'm at 11. Lucas at 9. Tyler, you're at 10. Does the addition of Jameer Gibbs, uh, Sam Laporta coming in after they traded 
TJ Hawkinson, Jamison Williams coming in in week six. Does any of that worry you with Amon Ross St. Brown? I would assume not since you have him at 10, but how does that change your perspective on Amon Ross for next year? It feels like they want to use Amon Ross all over the field. Mm-hmm. Like they're like in, 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 I'll say this just right away so I can just get it off of my mind because I <laughs> just have to say it. I'm probably too low on Amon Ross St. Brown. There's a world like I, I Matthew Barry, like the 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 fantasy god himself, had Amon Ra as his wide receiver seven. Because you look at this offense for the first six games of the year without Jameson Williams. Who is gonna be who who is who else is there to compete for targets? Mm-hmm. Like Jameer Gibbs will get some for sure. Marvin Jones? Yeah. Like Khalif Raymond, Khalif Raymond, uh, Brock Reynolds, Sam Laporta. Like it's gross. Yeah, it's gross. Who else is Jared Goff going to throw to? And, and that, you know, that six week window can really set, you know, set up success for Amon raw for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this too, with Jameson Williams, right? When he comes back, like what happens with the offense and stuff, um, Jameson Williams has not had a great start to his NFL career. No, just coming off of his ACL injury, where it like we we were trying to we we tried to hit this home so much last year, but if a rookie is missing training camps mm-hmm. and OTAs and all that kind of stuff at the beginning of the season because they're recovering from injury, they are going to be behind their rookie season. And we saw that with Jameson Williams, and everyone's like, "Well, don't, don't, don't sleep on Jameson Williams. He's the down, he's the deep threat in that offense." Don't matter if you're still learning the offense, yeah, and you need to like adjust to the game speed of the NFL to the point where Jameson Williams last year, as I'm pulling up his stats because it wasn't pretty. Two touches, two touches. Like it wasn't. It's not. It wasn't good. Yeah. And he's suspended for the first six games of the year. Like he's he's he he's hurting himself. Yeah, that's even more opportunity for Amon Ra to really kind of step up as as like the alpha dog in that wide receiver room, as the wide receiver for Jared Goff to trust. So, like I said, like I might be too low on Amon Ra at ten. Like there's a world, and I'm not going to be surprised if when our draft guy comes out. I've got Amon Rock like seven or eight mm-hmm. because of the opportunity that he has at the beginning of the year to really set up the rest of the year for him. Yeah, for sure. And there is a chance Amon Rock could be the reception leader at the end of the season this year. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, this is a team that's going to want to move the ball. They're going to want to score a lot of, a lot of points. Dan Campbell's never going to take his foot off the gas. And Jared Guff needs someone to throw to. And Amon Rock is the best option. By far, by far in this offense. And he's a PPR machine. So, yeah, he's going to get a lot of touches. All right. We got about nine wide receivers left. We're about 50 minutes in right now. Uh, so, we will we will move swiftly through these guys. But a lot of these guys on, left on the list don't need a ton of, you know, we don't need to talk about them a ton because you know they're going to be great. But this next guy, this next guy, I think we need to spend a little bit of time on because it's, it's Mr. Garrett Wilson. And Garrett Wilson is high on a lot of people's boards. I'm at nine, Lucas at 10, Ty at eight. 
And obviously he looked great last year with some awful we cannot understate how bad the Jets quarterbacks were last year between Mike White, between Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco. The team had a 56% completion percentage between all three quarterbacks. 56. I don't think Aaron Rodgers has ever been below 64%. So that's an upgrade already. <laughs> um, obviously, Rodgers didn't have an amazing year last year, but he's still a former MVP. He still can get the job done. It just will remain to be seen if we're going to see a 35 touchdown Aaron Rodgers or if we get you know a 20 touchdown Aaron Rodgers either way I it's still a major upgrade for Garrett Wilson who had 83 receptions on 147 yards or on 147 targets excuse me for 1103 yards and only four touchdowns if you were to add four more touchdowns and just two receptions to Wilson's total last year he's a wide receiver 11 as a rookie like and he, yeah and after finishing as a wide receiver 21 yes. last year yep yeah, so I mean that that is fantastic, especially in the way that you know with who he had in the quarterback position. So Ty, like, what is what is truly the ceiling for Garrett Wilson right now? Honestly, it's top five. Yeah, like the the you look at the talent, you look at the addition of Aaron Rodgers and the the offense and all that kind of stuff. Yes, Alan Lazard just signed like a massive deal with the Jets, so like you know the red zone opportunities could take a bit of a hit, but honestly, like Garrett Wilson could finish with over a hundred receptions this year. Easily. And if I might go as far to say, like that's what we expect out of Garrett Wilson this year, just because you have Aaron Rodgers throwing you the ball because you are, going to be the new uh, and when i say this i don't mean to compare the two receivers he's the new Devonte adams mm-hmm. right like he's the new separator that aaron Rodgers has mm-hmm. always valued in in his career so garrett wilson top five upside is legitimately there mm-hmm. top 10 legitimacy you know it feels weird to say that he's a bona fide top 10 option already, mm-hmm. even though that he hasn't had a year of top 10 production. But Garrett, it's one of those situations where you're like, you know, the town of Garrett Wilson, and mm-hmm. now you're adding Aaron, like a quarterback to the caliber of Aaron Rodgers. If you find him outside of your top 10 anywhere, mm-hmm. uh, whoever has that has, will need some serious questioning because, like, there is little to no reason why he should not, he should be outside of the top ten. Yeah, you don't accidentally put up eleven hundred yards with Zach Wilson, Mike White, and Joe Flacco as your quarterbacks. Like you have to be really, really good in order to do that. And it, obviously, it was his rookie season. It's just it's hard to imagine a world where he falls outside of the top fifteen unless of unless of injury. Like I just I don't even know if I can fathom him falling that far unless it's like a ridiculous touchdown year where he puts up like four touchdowns again. And to the Alan Lazard point, Alan Lazard what could have should have been the guy last season. He, you know, he had a decent stretch, but he by no means took over that Green Bay wide receiver room. So I think Garrett Wilson will have himself a mighty fine season. Um, and he could be comparable, really comparable to this next guy at the end of the year. And that is uh, number eight, Mr. C.D. Lamb, who finally last season took the step we all wanted him to take. Uh, had 170 receptions on 156 targets for 1,359 yards and nine touchdowns. 
I have him as my wide receiver five. Lucas at seven. Ty, you have him down at nine behind Garrett Wilson. I just look at what CD Lamb did last year. You know, they added Brandon Cooks, took away Dalton Schultz. I just don't see a way he takes a step back. And if, especially if Dak's going to play the full season this year, I, I just think he's going to, he's in for another really, really good season. Ty, you're a little more pessimistic on CD Lamb. Why is that? Just because I, it's partially the scheme slash new offensive coordinator that's in town. For sure. It's partially the, um, the Brandy Cooks edition. And like you said, like they lost Dalton Schultz. So like, you know, Brandon Cooks is kind of playing the Dalton Schultz role a little bit to, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a certain extent. Um, I don't know. Like there's something to me that just doesn't really think that the amount of opportunity that CD lamb got last year is going to be the same mm-hmm. this year. And like, We've always known that CeeDee Lamb has had the talent to do this. It's just mm-hmm. been a matter of opportunity. And like it, it, the the um the the chances that he gets like we saw last year, 156 targets, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe I'm gonna throw out the word and I I don't really want to, but I'm gonna say it. I I just err on the side of regression just a mm-hmm. little bit. And it's not a talent regression, it's just a depth chart personnel schematic question mark that I have with the Cowboys this year for sure. No, I mean, that, I, I think that's a totally valid point. And like we've said, I mean, we're projecting right now. So it's pretty much like, do you think CD lamb's going to get better? Do you think he's going to stay or do you think he's going to regress? Like those are definitely at this point in his career with the way the team has shifted. Those are all valid outcomes to project. And it's just kind of, where do you think he's going to land? Um, but obviously, like I said, I mean, you still have him as your wide receiver nine. You still have him as a top 10 wide receiver. So even if you are a little lower on him, right, we still recognize that he is the wide receiver one. He is going to get plenty of opportunities to have great games for you. It's just maybe you do end up taking one of these guys that we're going to talk about next over CD land because you believe in them more at wide receiver. seven, we talked about him a little bit earlier, and that is Mr. AJ Brown. 88 receptions on 145 targets for 1,496 yards and 11 touchdowns. I have met eight. Lucas and Ty both have him at six. I think the reason I'm lower on him is, you know, he's just such a big play guy. We'll see if he can maintain. I think he was up around 16 and a half yards per catch. I have that coming down just slightly. Um, I have him right around the same reception target range. And then touchdowns is a big thing, right? AJ Brown is a guy who can put up 16 receiving touchdowns in this season. Now, I don't know if Jalen Hurts can like maintain a wide receiver who can do that, but he definitely could. Um, so it, touchdowns are going to kind of be the variance for A.J. Brown, and it is for most of these top guys, right? Unless you're like a Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, where you're just – the volume is unbelievably insane that it's going to maintain you that high no matter what your touchdowns is. Um, but, Ty, what what is the – is the ceiling for AJ Brown? Like, could he finish wide receiver one? Could we see that this season? Or do you think he's kind of, kind of just missing out on that just top, top tier? I think, I think top five, but top three is a stretch when you've got guys like Jefferson, Chase, and Cup who will mm-hmm. get receptions and touchdowns as well. And like, Jefferson didn't really score a whole lot last year, but he makes up for it with like just receptions, mm-hmm. like no tomorrow. But, 
I think the thing with AJ Brown that hasn't been talked about yet that probably needs to be talked about a little bit more was that last year he played 17 games. Mm. And if I'm not mistaken, that was his first fully healthy season. It was so, yes. like, if, if anything, yeah, that was his first fully. Well, in 2019, there was only a 17 week schedules and he played 16 games. And that did my point. Um, we've known that AJ Brown can do this in a full season. Mm-hmm. Can he do, you know, can he stay healthy again for a full season? And I wonder if part of the reason why we saw him play a full season was because he was kind of taken out of the yak role mm-hmm. that he kind of had in Tennessee, where like he was also asked to be the downfield threat. And that's what he was in Philly. But he didn't. He wasn't used so much in you know the short areas or in in space. That's what Devonte Smith is there for. So I think part of the reason why I've got him at six is the um, the acknowledgement that like yeah, he's playing a different role and it's a role that suits him, and also acknowledging that there's you know a higher finish potentially for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do like I will understand if people aren't in on him as others are because of the injury risk that he does have. Yep, for sure. It, and that just comes with the physical nature in which he plays, right? He's a right. when he's out there, he wants to be the most physically dominant player. And you know, he can do that a lot of times. It's just, you know, Jalen Hurts only had 22 passing touchdowns last year. I do think that number goes up, but for a guy who's gonna be really reliant on touchdowns to be in the top five, that I think that's just why I have him a little bit lower. I do want to talk about these next two at the same time. Um, Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs. We have Adams at six, Diggs at five. Um, I got Dig- I got Adams at four. Lucas has Adams at eight and Ty at seven. And then Diggs, I have at seven. And then Lucas and Ty at five and five. The reason I want to talk about them together is they feel like the most unsexy wide receiver one picks on the board. Yep. It just feels like people are like, nobody's like, yes, I got Stefan Diggs. Yes, I got Devontae Adams when they get out. But you should be. Like, is there really more of a lock to be a, like, obviously you got the top three, um, but like these guys have been, you know, Adams has been a top three wide receiver each of the last three years. Diggs has been a top seven wide receiver about each of the last three years. And Stefan Diggs, situation hasn't changed at all. Adams does go to Jimmy Garoppolo, but Adams had a 55.6% catch rate last year, which was lowest of all wide receivers with at least hundred targets. So the efficiency is going to get a little better. Obviously, touchdown efficiency might, but Adams has always been a ridiculous touchdown guy. So, Tyler, just really quickly, I don't think we need to really go into depth on these guys because we know how good they are. Is is there any reason that you should be avoiding drafting them and maybe moving to an A.J. Brown, CeeDee Lamb, you know, reaching down and going Garrett Wilson, Amon Ra, or should you just take, you know, the proven guy and just move on and not think about it? Well, you know why they are the the two like unsexy picks so far for wide receivers. It's because they have the floor mm-hmm. that these other guys quite honestly don't really have just mm-hmm. yet. Um, and people are going to be enamored with upside this. I mean, AJ Brown, CD lamb, Garrett Wilson, and Amon Ross, a Brown, they all have upside. They all have room to grow at the value that they're going to go at. So if anything, 
I'm I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw kind of like a a little bit of a of a of a swap right with some of those four receivers kind of switching with Diggs and Adams because people do want the upside. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because if anything, Diggs and Adams have the same ceiling as well yeah. as those other guys. So it's like, why, why are we, <laughs> why are we reaching at some of those other guys when you can get a floor in Diggs and Adams that some of the other guys don't really have. So it's like, it's a confusing one mm-hmm. and one that I will gladly kind of sit at the end of the first round because yeah, again, we're going to see CD lamb, Garrett Wilson, Amon Ra, AJ Brown potentially go ahead of Devonte Adams or Stefan Diggs. And I don't think that's happening right now, but it put, it could potentially yeah. like in your drafts or some other drafts that we may be in. And I will be sitting there at the, and around one gladly taking Stefan Diggs and Devontae Adams because yeah. again, they are almost, they are literally the same players that are going ahead of them, but just with a floor. Yep. For sure. And I, I just think that's, it's kind of like, man, we, we don't get cute with your pick here, right? Yeah. They both had a hundred plus receptions, both had about 1500 yards and both had double digit touchdowns last year. And there's really no reason to think they can't do that again this season. All right, let's move on to number four. Number four is Mr. Tyreek Hill. I am the lowest at six, I'll admit, and it's really just because I've got Diggs or I've got Devontae Adams and CeeDee Lamb ahead of him, But and I think the targets come down a little bit. He had 170 last year, 1,700 yards, 119 receptions, seven touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. But, you know, I mean, it's Tyreek Hill. So I really think anyone, you know, Anyone in these top six for us, Devontae Adams, Stephen Diggs, Tyreek Hill, um, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, you can't go wrong with. Mm-hmm. They're proven, and they're amazing. Uh, Ty, is there is there really any reason to doubt Tyreek Hill, or can we kind of just move on and just say he's going to be great? No, I think the only thing is just that, like, this. I think the, the touchdown regression is what we expected last year, and mm-hmm. it, sure enough, it happened. Um. So if anything, that could be a reason why that kind of keeps him out of the top three compared to some of these other guys that will score touchdowns. But yep. what Hill doesn't score in touchdowns, he makes up for in yards. So yes. like Tyreek Hill, don't again, he's another player. Don't overthink it. Like yep. he's he's great in the scheme in Miami. Hmm. You know the talent, you know the speed. Don't overthink it. Yep. And so for me, these last three guys, Cooper Cup is three. Um, Ty, you have him at four. You have Tyreek Hill at three. Uh, Justin, Jamar Chase and Jefferson Jefferson two and one. For me, these guys are the top tier. These mm-hmm. three, and I think you probably put Tyreek in the, that tier. Of, I think they should go in this order of Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Cup. But if you went one over the other, I think there's truly an argument for all three to go number one overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looking at Cup, I, I just don't think we can really under understate how amazing he's been the last two years. Um, 2022 is on a 17 game pace for 141 receptions, 185 targets, 1,533 yards and 11 touchdowns would have been the wide receiver. Two of he was healthy all year long, 23 of his last 26 games with at least 17 points. So he's played 26 games for the last two seasons, 25 of 26 with at least 15 points. And he's had double digits in all 26. I mean, that, that's, that's a ridiculous pace. And he is the only target in Los Angeles. 
Hey, put some respect on on oh no, Puka yeah. Nakua. Sorry, yeah, Van Jefferson. Yeah, exactly. Like there's just nothing to worry about. And Stafford's proven proven the last two years. If he's on the field, he's gonna throw it to Cooper Cup a ridiculous amount of time. And people might go, oh, but he was injured at the end of last year. Cup could have come came back in like week fourteen. Yeah. But they're like, we are so out of this. We're not going to risk it. We're just going to shut you down for the rest of the season. Kind of like Chris McCaffrey the year before. Um, Ty, anything to add on Cooper Cup? No, he's he's. I think Jefferson's in a tier by himself, and then I put Chase and Cup in a tier. Okay. Like, and, and I know I put Tyree Kill ahead of Cooper Cup, but the more I think about it, like Cooper Cup is three and Tyree Kill mm-hmm. is four. So Chase and Cup are in the same tier. And honestly, I might end up putting Cooper Cup two and Chase at three because mm-hmm. Cooper Cup has a floor. Again, like I know floor is not the like the sexy word when we're talking about top five wide receivers. Yep. But like again, it would have paid off last year because mm-hmm. Jamar Chase missed a stretch of games last year, right? Like yep. and and again, like Jamar Chase, as good as he is, there will be some games where he's only putting up 12 points. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Cooper Cup is going to be giving you a consistent 16, 17 a week. So, yeah, like there, don't again, don't overthink it with Cooper Cup. I know you may be infatuated with other names that are behind him. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't be like, yep. just, just go look at Cooper Cup's stat line from 2021 and just be like, that's what I'm getting. Yeah. And then realize he maintained that when he was healthy in 2022, which is just ridiculous. Right. Jamar Chase, I do want to talk about him just real briefly. Um, you know, he only played 12 games last year. His yards per catch were down, down from 18 to 12, right? He had that ridiculous efficiency. He'll never repeat it. We were saying, but then his targets went up by four per game last year. If he was going to play all 17 games, he would have out targeted Justin Jefferson, which is crazy to think. Cause that's not how we view March, but he is by far and away. Joe Burrow's favorite target, obviously connected to Joe Burrow helps. But like you said, the one thing with Jamar Chase that Justin Jefferson might have in the future, but doesn't have yet, and Cooper Cup definitely doesn't have, is they have a he has a really, really good wide receiver two next to him who can also take over a game in T. Higgins. So that can lead to those games where he kind of disappears a little bit. But we saw that less last year than we had the year before, where you know Chase was pretty much in every single game. He was pretty much solid for every single game at least. And then obviously he has those boom weeks. Um, you touched on it a little bit before. Then I'll just kind of roll into our Justin Jefferson, you know, just listen to this stat line. 128 receptions on 184 um, targets, 1,809 receiving yards, eight receiving touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. I mean, this guy was on was on a pace where we were talking about him maybe breaking the single season receiving record. So that's just, I mean, you know, it's just something that you got to keep in mind going for next year. Ty, is there anything you want to add on those last two wide receivers? No, not really. They are top two, top three for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're as safe as you can come. And like Ty said, I mean, he's got Jefferson in a tier all by himself. And I, I, truly, I just don't blame him, especially if Kirk's going to be there another year um, from what we've what we've seen. So, well, that does it for us as we broke down 20 wide receivers. Uh, we could have talked for hours longer, but we will break them down even further in future episodes as we break down um, by division coming up this summer. We'll break them down during some mock drafts with different guests. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff planned, so make sure you're hitting that to the subscribe button on YouTube, following us on 
are subscribing on the podcast, uh, following us on all of our socials over on TikTok and YouTube, Fantasy Football Fellas, Instagram, the FF Fellas, Twitter, FF Fellas. Um, you can fo- follow our personals at well, as well. Uh, he Tyler is at Tyler Plath on Twitter, and I am at Camelot FFF. So with that, um, deuces, and we will see you next week. Juices.